Welcome to the Ministry to Parents podcast. Here's your hosts, Elizabeth and Jeremy Lee. This is the podcast for church leaders that helps them build a ministry to parents. I'm Jeremy Lee. And I'm Elizabeth Lee. And thank you so much for joining. This is episode number 12. And today we are wrapping up our series, How to Help Families in Crisis. And specifically, today's episode is on cancer. And we're going to share our personal journey about your cancer diagnosis and, and hopes that church leaders are able to see how to best care for families that received that diagnosis. Yeah, we cared for families that had gone through cancer for decades in our own ministry journey. Mm-hmm. But there were some things we learned going through it ourselves that we wish, I know I wish I would have known prior to, because there's a lot of perspectives that we're hoping to introduce you to today that we didn't have before. Yes, and I think we're hope in our segment, we're going to be very open and honest and vulnerable, and we hope that you're able to take some of the things and apply them into your own church world. Yeah, it is uh, going to be... I'm a little nervous, but we're going to do it. We Mm -hmm. got this. You know, as we're wrapping up this series, we've covered how to help families in divorce, how to help families through addiction, and how to help families through death. We had Tammy Daughtry. um, We had a great blog by Michael Murray. And then we had uh, addiction with Chip Dodd and Mama Bear. Mm -hmm. And then we had Philip Robinson come in and and talk about grieving. And I think uh, it's just been one of my favorite series because it's just really good practical advice I guess pastoral care. It's just practical advice on pastoral care. And there's there's some who are just naturally gifted in this area, but then there's a lot of the rest of us who just really need this help. So I hope it's been encouraging to you guys this series. Before we jump to, into it, though, I wanted to talk for a second about M2P member. Every once in a while, we just want to remind you that we have a community available to those who share our passion or who just need some help with uh, this idea of ministering to parents. Um, there, We know that there's a lot of pressure uh, to do your weekly events, to prepare your lessons, to recruit volunteers, to train volunteers, to do your small groups. And I could go on and on and on. It, it, it's certainly overwhelming to help people with crisis like we've been talking about. And put all that in the context of a global pandemic of online church and six feet apart and all that, mass, not mass. And just uncertainty among uncertainty. Um, there's so much going on. Uh, but the reality is we know that if you minister to parents, if you're a children's minister or a teenager or a youth minister, sorry, and uh, you uh, minister to the parents of those kids and teenagers, you're ministering to their greatest spiritual influence. And when you do that, you multiply your efforts. So we know this is important, but we also know there's not a lot of time left over to do it. That's why we created M2P Member. Um, if there's one word that our members say to, that I hear them say to me is relevant, they say our content is relevant. I, you can't pay me a greater compliment about M2P member. And how the M2P member works is on the first of every month, you receive an email and then that email has all the content for the month and how we design it is basically when you get it, you save that all the content, you save it into a file folder if you want, or you know where to find it on your dashboard and that content stays there. So when you come to a subject, let's say it's a family comes to you that's in crisis, you know exactly where to go to pull a done for you resource that will be 
able to help those families. And so you don't have to go create one. You don't have to go research it. It's there for you sitting there always and forever. It's uh, let's, I call it the Netflix to parent ministry resources. It's you have access to the largest digital library of parent ministry resources in the world. We're very proud of it. Uh, been working on it for 10 years. And you don't just, when you become a member, you don't just get to be a part of just a small piece of it. We unlock the whole thing. It's like, you, Elizabeth, you're uh, big into libraries. It's like walking into one of those big, huge libraries you see on the internet that are you're just like, wow. Mm-hmm. And and it's that. It's that. Mm-hmm. Um, f- digitally for you. So we hope that uh, if you're interested, you might check it out. You can go to ministry to parents dot com forward slash member. Uh, there are some samples there. Um, we walk through all the different categories of content that is available. Um, and then also, if you just have questions, you can email us info, I-N-F-O at ministry to parents.com. And for those of you that are listening that are members, know that we love you and we appreciate you. And we uh, thank you for being a part of this awesome community. And if you are saying, hey, I'm not the person that jumps in right away, I need to kind of dip my toe in first, we have an email list, and you can just sign up for that email list, ministrytoparents.com, and we send out occasional freebies where you can see the kind of content that's in the membership, and that's a great introduction. So you can sign up to that email list and then get a little uh, PDF here or content here and then be like, hey, this is some really good stuff, and then you can join the membership. Awesome. Well, I think it's time to jump into uh, our story and our experience with uh, cancer and what we have learned from it. And really, big, the bigger purpose is what church leaders can learn about the different roles and experiences that families go through when they go through cancer. We'll talk to you right after the break. Most of us know we should be ministering to the parents in our church, but many of us have no idea how to do it. When you become a member of Ministry to Parents, you'll be able to offer a steady stream of parent videos, family discipleship resources, parent events, games for families, and so much more. It's like the Netflix of parent ministry resources. You don't have to figure out your ministry to parents on your own. Let us be a part of your team by joining ministrytoparents.com today. To learn more and get a bunch of free resources, go to ministrytoparents.com slash member. Welcome back. So we're going to jump right into how to help families walk through cancer. And we're going to do that by discussing our story. And so, Jeremy, I guess my first question for you is uh, if church leaders were going to help a family who's received a cancer diagnosis, what would be your recommendation to them on what to do first? Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of comes in stages when you get the initial diagnosis. Um, well, like in our example, I was sick for a really long time before we got the diagnosis. So there was already some fatigue that had been set in and then just a ton of uncertainty. But then when the diagnosis comes in, it's overwhelming. It's, there's just so many, I know for me, there were a million questions. Um, so one, one way that, uh, um, I was helped and I didn't even realize I needed that help was, um, somebody that I'd met at church that had gone through a very similar cancer to mine, 
um, took me out to lunch and basically said, ask all the questions you want and I'll do my best to answer. And man, I had a million of them. And uh, I, there's probably nothing anybody did during that journey that meant more to me personally than letting me talk to someone who had already been through it. Um, so if there, uh, one of the ways a church leader, I think, could be uh, very helpful to a family is to kind of keep in your mind people who have, have been through the cancer experience and, and have been on the other side of it and made it through um, and then, you know, ask them, would you ever be willing, if, if I have someone going through this, would you be willing to meet with them and just be a sounding board uh, for any questions they may have? That is a resource that you could use uh, to help so many people. Okay, so uh, Elizabeth, I, I'll throw it back to you. Um, you had, uh, I think one of the things we want to try to get across that was surprising to us is that the role of caregiver was just as uh, stressful and, and, and hard as actually being the patient. Um, but you got some great advice during that time and, and you learned a lot. So what are some of the things you learned that church leaders would want to know about being a caregiver? Sure. Um, I think the first thing that for me was when the initial diagnosis hit and the communication that occurred with telling family and friends, the text and the emails and the phone calls in the weirdest way was kind, but also overwhelming because it became a communication management issue because it was like, okay, I need to let people know and communicate with family and friends to let them know what's happening because, you know, I knew how much they cared about you, but that almost became like a full-time job and I wasn't able to uh, it, it was overwhelming, the management. And, and one of the things that occurred that wasn't planned, it just happened organically, was our close friends, our community that we lived with, ended up becoming an extension of our family. So when people wanted to help, they went to those people. And so I guess I would, could summarize that is, as a church leader, if you want to help families who receive diagnosis, they're in crisis, it's hit them, go connect with their familiar faces. Like, do they have some other families they roll with? Are they, um, are there, do they have extended family around town? Do they have close friends? And go as a church leader to their familiar faces and ask them, hey, is there a way we can connect with them? Is there a way that they need help? Because what that does is it allows, because those are people they're automatically communicating with, and so it helps ease the communication management so it's not um, inundating. Because I think that's one of the things that was also difficult was, because uh, people mean well, but when you are part of a church family, and, and if it's a larger church in particular, like all of a sudden you're getting text and emails and phone calls from strangers at a time that's very personal. And I know that they meant well, but it was also very hard because it was like, okay, uh, I'm not going to get a chance to write them back because I'm sitting in the doctor's office while you're, you know, it just became extremely um it, it was a tension that I thought, hey, this is a struggle that I don't know that many people know caregivers go through because they, they want to let people know how their loved one is doing. But at the same time, it, it takes energy to send texts and make phone calls and do emails. So I think connecting with their familiar faces is a very helpful step that church leaders can take. I love that. Uh, I think another thing that was shocking to me 
Um, because I guess as a church leader, when I watch somebody go through cancer, I just assume that the main focus needed to be on the patient, you know? Um, but what I learned was that, uh, actually being the patient, uh, here, here's the perspective I'll give you being the patient to at one level is kind of easy. Uh, and what I mean by that is focus. You spend 80, 90% of your focus on fighting cancer, uh, on surviving the moment, uh, who is poking you, what medicine are they giving you, treatment options. And trust me, that 80, 90% is not easy. So I'm not trying to say it's easy. But but the one thing is, I didn't have to think about a lot of other stuff other than just fighting for cancer. And uh, that th- that focus was one thing. But what I saw in you, Elizabeth, as the caregiver, is you did not have that luxury of that focus. You had a million things going on. You had your own self-care, your emotions and trying to stay strong and not run out of energy. You had our kids, you had me, you had uh, dealing with all the other people you had dealing with household responsibilities. I mean, there's so much to it. Uh, It's overwhelming. Yes. I think as a caregiver, I think that's the part that caught me off guard that I did not see was how in one moment, uh, instantaneously it's almost like you become a single parent and at the same time it's like you become a nurse you know and so it's going okay hey I need to make sure I have these bandages and this surgical tape and this cream before he goes in for this chemo treatment and then on the other hand it's okay I've got drop off and pick up for both kids both sports and there was so much to manage it's actually impossible it required outside support and uh, I think as a ministry leader, as a church leader, understanding that uh, there's a ministry opportunity way past the patient. Uh, the uh, the caregiver is going through really an equal amount of stress because at the end of the day, I know, well, maybe you couldn't. We've joked about this before. I was like, I've said, I know that if uh, you could trade places with me, you would. And you were kind of like, oh, I'm not sure that I would, <laughs> but I'm not sure that I'd want to trade places with you either. Uh we each, God gave us each our own role through this crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess what I had to learn was it's, it's 50, 50. It's, it's uh, it, the, the amount of stress and, and struggle is, uh, is equal among both caregiver and patient. And, and then there's also obviously, and this is where if I were a ministry leader, I'd want to know this, the one of the, as a youth ministry and children's ministry leader, the uh, one of your best opportunities to make a difference is with the kids because you are a familiar face. And as we've talked about, familiar faces are incredibly important during this time. Yes, and in familiar faces and, con- and consistency, uh, our boys' principal, when, when Jeremy, you received the diagnosis, one of the first things we were like, okay, does, do they come to the hospital and do they spend time? And, and because your first diagnosis, you know, the outcome they gave what a couple of months I think at that Mm -hmm. point and so uh, when you first received it and um, so again you're a walking miracle grateful for that and was like do we just pull the boys out of school what do we do And, and our principal was so great in that moment because he said hey your kids things are so inconsistent at home right now and so uncertain that they need every place where they can keep consistency consistent so send them to school and it, and and it was just really great advice because we found that 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 um 
their normal world, their little school, going, putting their backpacks in their lockers and going to lunch and their friends, like that really helped them because that was the one place where things were normal. Mm -hmm. And so that was very helpful, some great advice. And so I think when you say, Jeremy, about the familiar faces, you know, hey, what are some familiar faces? And if you're a church leader, that's a familiar face in their life then spend time with them, but spend time with them not necessarily talking about their the parent that's sick or spending time talking about the illness that's in the home, but doing some things that were consistent. And it, you may think, well, isn't that insensitive? Like, shouldn't we be talking about it? But they have so many people talking about it that just showing up and playing with them or even checking in with their family friends if they say, hey, uh, connecting people, connecting them with their friends or helping give rides and uh, that's just a way to support the family uh also uh, another kind of tip that i remember meant a lot uh was we we contacted our our a counselor friend and just said give us give us whatever you can and one of the things that they suggested to us was giving the kids ownership uh and part of the recovery to not just let them watch us fight this but let them fight it with us uh and they had some really cool stuff didn't they mm-hmm. um we had a son who was really into music and so he suggested that we ask that son to create your playlist and so we asked Campbell our son we said hey would you dad's going to be in some um, about chemo treatments he's going to have to go eight different times would you create a playlist for your dad to listen to and oh my goodness did he not just love it he was so excited and he went on Spotify and he was so happy to be able to contribute to that moment Mm -hmm. such great advice uh, and then our other son, they invited him to draw pictures, make cards, and those kind of things. Yes, and we hung them all around the hospital room. And he is a funny cat. And so he was able to draw funny pictures to uh, just lighten up the room and be able to uh, be a part of that. So as a children's leader or a youth leader, one of the things you could uh, suggest is, hey, give them a role in the recovery. Give them a chance to... Uh, be a part of this. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't need to be more than they can handle. It needs to be age appropriate. That was a big thing. And if we're going to share someone's wisdom, we need to share the whole thing, right? They said, make sure it's age appropriate. It's something that they can handle. But give them a role in the recovery. Give them a way to help and be a part of it that makes sense for their age and for who, uh, how, how they're wired. Another way that you can support families who are walking through cancer is to find out, maybe again through their extended family or friends, some physical needs they have. It may be that they need um, some CVS or Walgreens gift cards because you'd be amazed at how many of the little things you need to pick up at the store, whether it be the prescriptions that you need before you go into chemo or whether it be surgical tape or bandages as you're caring for port removals or ports being put in and you've got to go pick up that stuff or just offering the ability to run to Walgreens or CVS for them. And in the day of online pickup, just say, Hey, if you want to call in an order, we'll run and pick it up for you. Drop it off on your front porch. We don't even have to have a conversation. You can be their Uber driver or it could be asking families just to send gift cards because I know some, um, patients that are in treatment can't have certain foods and so it could be hey are there three or four restaurants that you really like and then asking families in the church to donate those gift cards there's just certain ways that you can support families physically 
And an area of sensitivity that you may not realize unless you've been through it is chemo affects your immune system typically, which means that uh, there were often times where I didn't have an immune system, and that means I, that I was advised not to be around anyone. So, you know, if Johnny come lately is bring, bringing us a casserole to be kind, and he wants to come in and, and, you know, have a big old visit with me, he was actually a physical threat to me, you know. Um, and if you've never been through it, you don't know that. You might try coming to be nice and then not realizing it. So checking in with families and helping them communicate that is a is another way you can really serve them. Um, so I think, Elizabeth, one of the things I'd like to make sure we get across uh, before we end this is the role of remission. What was, I mean, we because in our experience, I was diagnosed with lymphoma, um, which, uh, you know, not everybody gets that opportunity, but that means I had an opportunity to see remission, uh, which is an unbelievable gift. But the temptation is to think that, that if you get to remission, if you get to have that beautiful experience, that it's just done. It's like you flip a switch and it's over and let's all just be grateful you survived. Mm -hmm. But there's actually a role past that. I think church leaders really need to hear so that we can uh, serve people all the way through the crisis, mm -hmm. which has been a theme in all of the, every crisis we've covered, this has come up that, that there's a surge of support in the beginning, mm -hmm. but then there's this time where it's just like a wasteland and where you really need support and nobody's there. So one of the ways as uh, church leaders, we can make sure we're all going all the way through to the end. But uh, we learned that remission wasn't the end. Yes, because you think remission, and it it is in its own right celebratory. Like you think about those little, when you send somebody a happy birthday text and you hold down the button and it can send the confetti with the message, <laughs> you know, that's kind of remission. You're like, yay. But then right after that is, uh, will it come back? Begins the mental struggle of, uh, is this ache or pain? Oh my goodness, is it back? Uh, a cough, is it back? Sinuses occur, is it back? Um, and in that mental fight of, oh my goodness, do I go to the hospital? Do I need to get scanned again? And uh, I, I'll never forget when the oncologist sat us down and said, hey, I want to give you a heads up. The majority of patients that are in remission struggle because they constantly wonder, is it coming back? And some of them hope that it comes back just simply because they don't like they're uncomfortable with the uncertainty of not knowing and that was such an emotional and mental struggle for you and for me and even for our boys I remember there were times where you weren't feeling well and and our younger son Hudson would say well is it back is it back because everyone's so afraid because it's almost like you're you're walking in a man, uh, landmine yeah and and then just this recognition also that the physical sickness doesn't end uh, because chemotherapy is a powerful, if they if they go through chemotherapy, that's a powerful drug. It's like the doctor said it was like, uh, it's like blasting a shotgun through your immune system and through your body. Um, and it just strips out everything. Um, and so what that does is that, that means that for, uh, it, it takes not just months, but years to even begin to feel uh like you can be past it. So it, it just, it, it just lingers. It lingers through remission. So that's a great ministry opportunity to stick with people all the way through. 
Mm-hmm. And it's as simple as, because I know you have so much going on as a church leader, it could be as simple as just putting in a, a date on your calendar that when you see them post about remission in fa- on Facebook or whatever, just quickly, you know, jump over to your app on the calendar and put three months from now, check in on this family to see how things are going or check in on their extended family and find out how the family's doing and see, are there, is there any way that the church can support the family in the remission process? So thank you for spending some time with us. Uh, I hope this has been a helpful episode, but I really hope the series as a whole is one that you can just use as a reference. Um, And I think this is a great time for me to say thank you to those of you that are listening that are on a daily basis accepting the invitation into the sacred moments of crisis in people's lives. Um, And I know it's a daily fight to not be jaded and to not uh, be comfortable in people's pain. Um, You've got to find a way to stay sensitive without constantly living in the stress of other people's pain. That's a hard balance to strike, and we know that. And we just want to say to you that that, uh, we are honored by you. We love serving you as a community as you go and serve others in crisis. Hey, uh, if you don't mind, if you are enjoying a series like this, one of the ways to make sure you don't miss one is to subscribe and to uh, that gives you a notification and you, that's on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to and it lets you know when a new episode comes out. So if you haven't done that yet, we'd ask you to do it. As we wrap up this series, we want to thank Tammy Daughtry and Michael Murray for sharing their voice about divorce and how to help families who are walking through it. We want to thank Chip Dodd and Mama Bear, who was uh, willing to share her story about a mom walking with her son through addiction. And we want to thank Philip Robinson, who was willing to speak to us about how to walk through grieving and death. And this has just been an incredible series um, for church leaders on how to help families in crisis. In our next series, we'll be talking about anxiety, which is a huge issue for a lot of families. We'll be helping parents lead their kids through anxiety. You will enjoy it. It'll be a great series. This is the podcast for church leaders that helps you build a ministry to parents. Thank you so much for joining, and we'll see you next episode. You've been listening to the M2P Podcast. To download free parent resources, go to ministrytoparents.com.